Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. I'm Pastor Ryland and I'm your student ministries pastor. Uh, pastor Chris a few weeks ago reached out and asked if I wanted to uh, fill in and deliver the message this morning and I said, let's do it. So, um, just to preface this. Um, I'm used to talking in front of people. I was a teacher for about nine years of junior high kids uh, before I stepped over into this position. So if you all could do me a favor and maybe occasionally talk out of turn or raise your hand to ask to use the restroom during like a super important teaching point, that would help me feel super comfortable and much more at home. So let's jump into this. Who here has a bad habit? Yes. Now, I'm not talking about some major sinful downfall or anything, just a bad habit that maybe your spouse continually nudges you in the side for that you should probably address sometime soon. I do. And one of my bad habits, uh, and this is really bad probably, um, is letting the, my gas tank in my truck run a little too low way too often. I know this is really bad. I know my fuel pump is probably a disaster right now. But it's a bad habit, and I don't even really have a good reason for it. Like, I'm probably just avoiding gas prices and filling up my tank. I don't know. But, but that is a bad habit of mine. Running on empty is not a fun place to be. Constantly worried about whether or not I'm going to make it to the gas station in time before my truck dies on me. It's not fun. Not fun. How often, though... Do we let ourselves run on empty? And I'm not talking about your gas tank, but I'm talking about your spiritual tank. How often do we find ourselves tensely just pushing our way through life, running on empty, waiting until the very last moment before we ask God to come and fill it up for us? There are two practices that are often mentioned in the New Testament that can help us fill up our tanks. One of them is filling ourselves with the Word of God, and another one is praying. Now, at the beginning of the year, we're going to launch a series, a church-wide series, nursery all the way up through adult, that's really going to have us digging into the Word of God and getting familiar with it. But today, I want to focus on that second, second thing. I want to focus on prayer prayer. There are four things that I want us to consider about prayer. Now, before I launch into this, I'm going to briefly touch on all these topics, because as I was writing this, I realized that I was essentially writing a full sermon series in itself with four different messages, and I had to reel myself in. So there's a lot more to delve into past what I'm going to talk about, and I'm ready and willing to address questions and conversation after this so that we can continue to grow after this message. But these four, four things, the first consideration is why we pray. Why we pray. Let me start by giving you the wrong answer to this consideration, to get things from God. That's not why we pray. The point of prayer isn't to just get something from God. When done right, 
Prayer can be the avenue to communicate with the one true God. And when we communicate with that one true God, we develop a relationship with him. And when we develop that relationship, that's when our lives start to transform. A lot of people probably understand and agree that God and sin can't cohabitate, right? God's perfect, sin is not perfect. Light, darkness can't be together. But what I think a lot of people get wrong with that statement is their response to it. I think we have things a little twisted because a lot of the time I think people's response is, I'm not perfect, I sin, I mess up, so they flee from God because we think we can't be with that perfect God. When in reality, it should be the other way around. When we plant ourselves in the presence of God through prayer, it's not us that has to flee from God. It's sin that has to flee from us. That has to flee from us. What do I mean here? So when we pray, we actively put ourselves in God's presence and sin has to fade away. You're not going to be looking at those websites or inappropriate content if we're looking to God in prayer. We're going to have a hard time grasping toward things that aren't of God if our hands are too busy being lifted in praise and worship. You're not going to use your mouth for destruction if you're too busy using it praying blessings over yourself and blessings over others. We pray because God is real. And that's how we communicate to him. And when we establish that communication, we then establish that relationship, which then creates transformation in our broken lives. The second consideration I want us to look at here is when we pray. To talk about this, I want us to look at the book of Daniel for a second. The book of Daniel. Before the events recorded in Daniel take place, Israel was kind of in a downward spiral of disobedience. They were constantly moving farther and farther away from the things of God. Now, God warned them that if this continued, they would be sent into exile. Things continued, so they were sent into exile. The king, or sorry, the book of Daniel finds the kingdom of Babylon conquering Israel and taking many of Israel's young men into captivity to be utilized for the king's purposes. The Israelites and these young captives in particular now found themselves immersed in a culture that was completely against the things of God. Against the things of God. Daniel was one of those young men who was taken into captivity. As you read the book of Daniel, you'll find that there are multiple occasions that pop up when Daniel has to choose between following the ungodly ways of Babylon or choosing the ways of God. Now, one of the most well-known of these occasions is when Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. 
Who here is familiar with that account? Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. Yeah, so Daniel had gained favor in the eyes of Babylon's king, King Darius. And because of that, there was a target on his back from a lot of the king's officials because they were jealous of Daniel. They wanted the power and the ranking that Daniel had. So these officials, knowing that Daniel regularly prayed to God, went to King Darius and told him, you should issue a decree that nobody can pray to anyone or anything except for you for the next 30 days. Now, King Darius, not knowing that this was a plot against Daniel and thinking, oh, people are going to worship me, awesome, said, bet, let's do this. So they signed it into a law, an unchangeable law. Daniel's response. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now, we're going to come back to that, but remember that, just as he had done before. We later find that Daniel was caught. He was thrown into the lion's den, but God sent an angel who closed the lion's mouths, and Daniel was safe from harm. Darius then, I'm going to open up my Bible here. Darius then, realizing that he had been tricked by these trusted advisors and threw this harmless man into the lion's den and then saw that his God, who he was praying to, saved him, went on to say this. Let's see if I can pick this monster up. It's large print because I think I'm getting old. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, I want us to pause for a moment. And I want us to ask, thinking about how corrupt and how godly Babylon is, the nation of Babylon is, do we see any correlations between Babylon and where we are today? So much of our society has turned away from the things of God. Now, looking back at what just happened in Daniel, Darius, the king of this truly ungodly nation, has now turned and not only given respect to God, but ordered that his whole kingdom turns to God and fears this God. Would this have happened to Babylon, though? If Daniel had stopped praying when he was ordered to? Probably not. Now, I want us to go back to verse 10 for a second. Again, it said, He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, 
giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Praying wasn't new to Daniel. This was a habit of his. He didn't turn to God only when he needed something. He didn't turn to God for fuel only when his spiritual tank was low. He kept his tank filled up and ready to go in moments when he faced opposition. Now, can we say the same thing about ourselves? Putting your faith forward is filling up your tank before you run out of gas. If you run out of gas, could you run to a nearby station, get a gas can, fill it up, go back to your vehicle, fill it up, and be on your way? Or could you hop out of the car, put it in neutral, and push it to the closest gas station? Yeah, you probably could do that. But are you going to get to your destination faster, or are you going to be slowed down quite a bit? We're going to be slowed down. And that's the same thing on the path that God has before us. We could be going through life thinking we're, we're going after God, but really we're just turning to him when we need things, when things get bad. And when things get really bad, we don't know how to react in that situation. And instead of having our spiritual tanks filled up ready to go in those moments, we're set back and we're left scrambling with doubt, searching around for the right answer when the right answer was in front of us the whole time. If we'd just been engaging with God continuously through our lives. Let's look to Daniel as an example. Fill up your tank regularly so that you don't run out. Be proactive in prayer, not reactive. Not reactive. Our third consideration is how we pray. Now, this is the one where I really, I really needed to narrow it down because this is a whole, like, 18 messages in its own. <laughs> but it's not going to be 18 messages. It'll be okay. So how we pray. If praying is a new concept to you, I want to get something out of the way right now. There is not a right and wrong way to pray. Prayer is simply just communication with God. That's all it is, communication with God. You actively communicating to our God. Now, if you don't know where to start, one suggestion is to turn your attention to something called the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer is a section in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, where Jesus gives us sort of a template for how we can pray. Now, I'm not going to break this down verse by verse right now, but I do want to iterate that it's a great starting place because it's a template that can help you pray about almost anything. There's a French philosopher, Stone some sort of last name, Veal, Vile. I should have looked up how to pronounce that. <laughs> but she said this about the Lord's Prayer, that it contains all possible petitions and that we cannot conceive of any prayer not already contained into it. She later says that it is impossible to say it once through, giving the fullest possible attention to each word without change, infinitesimal perhaps, but real, taking place in the soul. <clears throat> now, like I said, I'm not going to break this down verse by verse, but something that I want to make sure we pay attention to from this prayer is the part that says, 
your will be done. Your will, God, speaking to God, will be done. It's important for us to seek not just what we want for ourselves, but what God wants for our lives. Because who here believes that what God wants for us is what's best for us? That's right. And if we spend all of our time fixated on the things that we want, that can provide us temporary happiness. We're going to miss out on what God has waiting for us that can provide permanent joy for us. So we need to look to God's will for our lives, not our own. I also want us to keep in mind the practice of being transparent with God. We need to pray authentically. If you look at patterns in Psalms, you're going to see King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, being fully transparent with him. When he was sad, he told God. When he was happy, he told God. When he was angry, he told God. When he was confused, he told God. We see the gamut of emotions from David in the book of Psalms. He was fully transparent with him. Rick DeBeau is the, super, or the assistant superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and he said this about transparency. Transparency is the highest form of reverence before God. So, the next time you turn to prayer, really think about being transparent, bearing everything you have before him. Our next consideration Our last consideration is who to pray with. Now, there are three groups of people I want to encourage us to really press into with prayer. One, yourself. Two, your family. And three, your church. Yourself, your family, and your church. Notice how the order of these starts super intimate. The more you invite God into your personal life, your inner life and your family life, the more you may begin to see him move in those parts of your life. If your prayer life isn't right in your personal time, then chances are it's not going to be right any of the other time. If we don't give ourselves to God in prayer, how can we expect to be transformed by him? The more we personally spend time with God in prayer, the more transformed we will become. Now, can of worms. Does anyone have any family problems? Nobody, right? Like we're all perfect. Caden, put your hand down. Your mom's right next to you. (laughs) Our families are perfect. Now, I'm not at all a family counselor, so I'm not going to give any family advice right now beyond this. Begin to pray with your families. I know that this is a lot easier said than done. Like, I struggle with it a lot of the time. Like, being intentional about setting aside intentional time throughout the day to pray with my family. But it is so Important, And when you do, you see change happen. Um, if you're having problems in your marriage or with your children and you haven't invited God into those areas of your life, 
how can we expect God to move in those areas of our lives? Praying as a family also serves as an example and a habit that's developed in your children's lives. Who here wishes that their parents had maybe been a little more active in developing and modeling a habit of prayer for yourself when you were young? Yeah. Marriage and families work to their fullest, not just when the dad prays, not just when the mom prays, but when every member of the family is connected to God through prayer. That's when that family unit will be the strongest. Let's talk about praying with our church for a second. The book of Acts. So Jesus um, just ascended into heaven, just ascended into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Now, there's a long list of names here I'm not going to like go through, but a lot of people met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, there were about 120 believers together in prayer. Notice that they joined together in prayer, right? Like they didn't just, Jesus left and they went off to their own homes, their own families. They joined together in prayer. And what happens after this? The Holy Spirit comes and fills them all. When they met together and reached for God together, they got to experience more of God than they maybe would have on their own. It's important to worship as a community, to share our love of God with each other. It's important to take your prayer requests to others and to let others help us carry our burdens. I really just encourage us to start being intentional about meeting together and praying together. And a great way to get into this practice is our Wednesday evening prayer services. Every week, we're in this room for an hour, worshiping together and praying together about anything and everything. I want you to know, or I want you to think right now, about all the situations in your life that are a struggle. Have you addressed all these situations through prayer? Now, if you're here, I'm guessing the chances are probably yes. You've prayed once or twice in your life about a struggle. But think through and ask yourself, have you addressed these needs in all three groups of these people we've talked about? If you're struggling with a child at home, have you prayed by yourself? Have you prayed with your spouse? Have you prayed with that child? Have you reached out to friends and prayed with them? I'm not saying this is a magic formula to get everything you want, but I think it's important to realize that we have a team on our side who wants to be there with us and to pray with us. I'm also not saying that we need to go air all of our family's baggage to everybody, or that you need to tell your kids about all of the marital problems that you're having. No, but, but I do think it's important 
to reach out when needed and share what's needed to ask others to be, to be lifting you up to God for you. With all three of these groups, though, we have to remember to put our faith forward, to be proactive in our prayer, not reactive. We need to make prayer with these groups a habit in our lives so that when things get hard, you can be like Daniel and you're filled up, ready to go to persevere through everything that comes your way. Don't let your tank run on empty until the last minute. Keep it filled up so that you can continue on your journey strong. Now, some of us here may be thinking, what journey? Like, why do I want to pray to God? Who is God? Well, in short, God is your creator who loves you more than anyone in the world possibly could. And here's what happened. We messed up. We all make mistakes. We do bad things. And like I touched on earlier, remember, God is perfect. He's complete light. And our mistakes cause darkness. And it's impossible for darkness and light to cohabitate, to be together. But instead of us having to flee from that, God came down. He sent his son to die for us, to wash all of us completely clean, to make us light so that sin has to flee from us and so that we can be with him forever. I want us to all bow our heads for a second. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.